What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Headhunter Hideout. I'm super excited today. I have Carolyn Betts Fleming with me, and Carolyn is the founder and CEO of Betts Recruiting, and she helps venture back capitalists, uh, companies scale their sales teams. Uh, how many how many people do you have in your team? Is it just over a hundred? Uh, yeah, we did uh, before COVID, but now we're around seventy people. Okay, seventy people. And she's been in the business for a little bit of time. So uh, super excited just to hear her story in recruiting, how she got, got started. And uh, and just any, if you've got questions uh, for Carolyn, I definitely would take this time, you know, to, to ask questions through the chat. And uh, and so Carolyn, welcome to the show. It's good to see you again. I know we briefly chatted last week. How is everything in Austin right now? It's great. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to have to continue our conversation and things are great in Austin. Um, I actually saw Chappelle and Rogan last night um, uh, live. So that was super fun to get. It was their last show. So kind of cool. And and you got, yeah. Cause you guys are, you guys are pretty much like out of the lockdown, right? Like you, there's no, no restrictions. I, there are some, you know, you have to wear a mask uh, indoors if you're, you know, while you're seated. They actually COVID tested every person that went to the, the show and it was outdoors. So, I mean, there are still some restrictions, but it's pretty loose, you know, especially compared to California, uh, where I'm originally from. Well, why don't, why don't you, uh, I'd, I'd love for you to just kind of introduce yourself a little bit and just share a little bit about your story about how you got into recruitment and, uh, you know, how, how you started in the business. I'd love to hear that. Yeah, so I am from the Bay Area. I uh, I went to the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill, and after graduation in 2003, uh, so I'm aging myself a little bit, I moved back to the Bay, and I, I sold Yellow Page ads for a year, door-to-door uh, -door in the actual book. I think a lot of people that are listening to this might not remember the book, but um, it was a lot of fun, and you know, I ended up falling into recruiting. I, had, I was looking for a new job. I cut my teeth in that very hustle, door-to-door, 100% commission sales environment. And so I saw an ad on Craigslist and it said 100K plus, 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 uh, high base plus commission. And, um, on, and so I think I mailed my resume into this company. They called me and uh, it turned out it was a recruiting company. I didn't really know. And I went in and they had been, you know, thinking of me as a candidate. And I was confused because uh, I thought I was applying to work at a company and I didn't really know about recruitment agencies, um, especially for that. You know, I'd worked at a temp agency in, in college, but uh, I didn't realize that for that they had <laughs> real companies that recruit full-time people. And so while I was there, I, I, I ended up getting introduced to the owner, Mark Gambarasi of the Andiamo Group, and they hired me. And so I worked there um, for four years and it was awesome. It was, you know, it was such a rewarding as a young person, one year out of college, falling into this you know, really fun industry where you get to work with companies and with people to help find their next move in their career. And um, yeah, so from there, I moved on to Career Builder. I did enterprise sales there for about two years and I started Bets in 2010. So we're on our 11th year uh, in business. And congratulations. Uh, thank you. Yes, it's been a lot of fun. So I'm I'm curious, like when you started in the industry, did you always plan? Like, did you know right away, like, hey, I I would love to start my own recruiting company, or was that something that kind of developed over time? Like, how how did you get to the point of going solo, starting your own business, and and did you? I mean, obviously, I mean, at seventy people, and I'm you know, obviously, I'm sure you you've had you know, lost a couple of people with COVID and all of that. But I mean, that's still pretty large, you know, compared to most agencies I, I talk with. So I guess, did you, did you kind of envision that the whole time or is that something that's developed over time? Like how, how did that happen? Yeah. You know, I had thought about starting my own company um, in 
2007, while I was at Andiamo, I took off six months. Uh, I remember when I graduated from college, my mom was like, what do you want to do now? I was like, I want to go travel. And she's like, that sounds fun. How are you going to pay for that? <laughs> and I was like, Moms always come through with the best, uh, the kind of bringing you down to earth, right? right? Um, oh, you know, I, I guess, I guess not traveling now, but that was a goal of mine and I'd saved up a lot of money. And I remember, you know, being on that trip thinking that, you know, I think that getting out of the day to day and, and really taking time to reflect on things. So I had thought about it when I was on that trip, came back, ended up going to Career Builder. Um, and at that time, I had actually wanted to make a transition transition into technology sales. So during my time at Career Builder, um, great company, amazing training, awesome leadership. Um, however, I just I saw that in the technology world, there was um, the the hands on it. it it wasn't the same as a high touch, very consultative um, firm where, you know, and, and the tech is obviously was obviously great at the time. So anyway, I, I made the decision. I, I still remember I talked to my dad about potentially joining his company and he runs a manufacturing business in the Central Valley. And he said, no, 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 you don't want to work here. You know, you should start your own company. And when I thought about it at that point in time, I, I made the decision. And at the beginning, to answer your question, it was just going to be me. Uh, I decided that I would make more money, uh, have more freedom and uh, just working from home by myself. But before I knew it, I had more clients than I could handle. And as we all know that being in this business, it's all about delivering excellence. And it, when you have too much business and not enough time to make sure that each client is well handled, that's a problem. And so that was when I decided to start hiring people. And so, no, you know, I, I at the beginning, it was not like, oh, let's build this massive international recruitment company. It was really that I thought it would be fun to run my own business, do it my own way. And then, you know, the timing was great. Beginning of 2010, uh, everyone, you know, the recession was really coming to an end and companies were starting to hire and really scale up their go to market teams. And so it was a lot about being in the right place at the right time. Yeah, no, I, I love that. Well, it's it's cool that you kind of went in with that mindset of like, hey, I want freedom. I want to do want to do kind of do my own th own thing. Um, I guess at, at what point then did did you kind of start to realize, okay, this is like this is scaling into like a I don't want to say a real business, but this is scaling into something, and now I've got to get into kind of growing this business mindset. Like how uh, how how long how far along were you when when that happened? Well, just a couple months in, one of my clients, everyone wanted more and more and more candidates. They loved the people I was sending, but they were hiring so much that, you know, especially with the volume that happens in the sales world that and the, the competitive nature of finding the talent that's really talented at sales, it was, you know, my bandwidth was low. And so it was only a couple months in, you know, March, April, I went full time January 2010, that I realized I had to start hiring people. And then as I hired those people, then, you know, it, it basically the entire time from 2010, um, with, you know, a blip in the radar, last year in 2020, because of COVID, um, you know, we were always hiring and growing. And we now are hiring and growing again, uh, because this reminds me a lot or even more intense in terms of the amount of, of companies that are scaling up their sales teams again. So, it, you know, it's been a continuous growth journey of continuously hiring, training, developing talent and, um, you know, some attrition, obviously people leave and then you replace them, but obviously growth as well. So when, when you're looking at bringing somebody in, like what, are, what are some of the characteristics that you look at, uh, you know, and bringing new people in and then are you, are you bringing in like new grads or do you look for more experienced people? Like what's, what's your strategy for bringing people into the organization? 
You know, it's interesting, Joel, because it's changed a lot over time. So I, the characteristics are, you know, grit, hustle, good interpersonal skills, people that build relationships with others naturally, also people that can follow a really great process. And, you know, there's always that. I remember the concept that I was taught early on, the art and the science, right? The art is really understanding people, asking the right questions, getting to know them. And the science is, you know, following the data that we know works because we've been around for a long time. So uh, people that, and, and then um, in terms of the profile, we, we've, we used to hire a lot of very junior people, train them and develop them. And now while we still hire some of those people, we are really looking for more experienced people to come in, join our team that can take over strategic client relationships right out the gate, maybe not right out the gate, but go through our training program and then step in and really be that consultant to the client companies that are that are scaling their go-to-market teams. You know, I, I hear that a lot too. And, you know, I, I think for our industry, it is, it's going to be a challenge. And I'm, I'm curious, like for bringing in new people, like with how we have it set up right now with remote work, um, how have you guys been adapting in terms of, of training and like being able to bring in people effectively? Cause I, cause I just think of like the, the bullpen, right. Where you can hear all of the conversations going on. It's such a valuable place to be because you just learn from, you know, basically attrition of every, all the conversations that are going around you. So, so how have you, how have you looked at like adapting and, and being able to train people as they come in? Like you mentioned, you're hiring it right now. How, how do you kind of remain or uh, how do you bring people in without having those conversations? Like what, what, what have you been doing differently? So we hired a full-time trainer, uh, somebody who has, and decades in the business who is experienced in hiring and training. And we also hired a full-time recruiter. So we have an internal recruiter for bets and then the trainer. And usually the managers were responsible for all the new hire training. And we really built a more scalable way of bringing people in and making sure they have that support. And that person is running new hire training, but also um, ongoing professional development for everybody in the company. So our leaders, the people that have been with the company for a long time that are still you know, running searches and individual contributors will also have a roadmap for themselves of continued professional development. And I think that you know with covid to your point it's been hard because you know you're not in the office you don't have that same learning from each other the same culture and so we've adapted in that way of hiring additional people that can really help support building a team remotely now are you are you then um are you then hiring people nationally like you know just for anyone who's out there like if they're potentially looking for something new i mean are you open to people anywhere in the country or like how, how, how are you guys set up to bring people on right now? Yeah. For experienced recruiters, we're open to anyone nationally. We have an East coast and a West coast team. So depending on where those people are located, we have offices in, um, Austin, Texas, and in Manhattan. Before COVID, we also had them in Chicago, Los Angeles, and California. And so basically what, after this, we will be, trying to get our team together, you know, a few times a year, bring teams together for people that are open to traveling and meeting with people in person to have that hybrid. But uh, we are absolutely now moving past those office locations to hire the best talent wherever they're located. Awesome. Well, if you're okay, if you're out there and you're experienced, uh, you, you know, do, would you prefer like a, a certain type of industry? I mean, what, what type of industry do you, uh, or like, how do you how do you bring people in? Did you bring them in with industry experience? Are you willing to kind of train them up? I know you mentioned you would want that kind of client relationship experience as well. I'd I'd love to hear more about the exact type of person you, that you're looking to bring in. Honestly, if people have experience in recruiting, we can teach you you know the venture backed SaaS tech world go to market stuff and. That would be great if people have done go to market, but we're open to anybody that, you know, having conversations at least with anybody that has solid recruiting experience that is interested in getting into technology. Uh, but 
like I said, we do focus on go to market. However, if you've done tech recruiting, if you've recruited any type of people out there, we can teach the domain. Awesome. Well, I, I love that. So I'm, I'm curious too, like one of the things we talked about on Friday was um, the way that you incentivize people uh, to, to use LinkedIn. And you're probably one of the first people that, that I've, I've kind of heard that really is incentivizing your team on social media. So I'd love to hear about that strategy and kind of like why, you know, why, why you're doing that. Cause obviously a lot of the, a lot of the recruitment owners that I talk to, it's still, still really heavily outbound focused and just phone calls and, and kind of nonstop phone call activity, nonstop email activity. Uh, so I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit about your strategy around LinkedIn and how you're incentivizing your team as well in, in terms of creating content. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting, right? Because I started this company, as I mentioned, you know, over 10 years ago, and my name is part of the name of the company, or it is the name, my last name is the name of the company. And really, this company is much larger than me, way larger. And what I would like for our employees is everyone to be empowered to build their own personal brand and the power of the, you know, you know, will the 70 plus people that work at Bets to build networks, to build relationships, to have their own voice and their own uh, opinions, and also to share content uh, for as the company as well. And so, you know, I think there's a large incentive for them to build their own personal brand on LinkedIn. And I also think that with that amplified voice of 70 people as opposed to one person, you know, it really helps us get our brand out there and, and what we're doing and uh, how we're changing the future of recruiting through doing things differently. And then we also, I, I don't necessarily love <laughs> having people do things because they're incentivized, but when we have podcast episodes, et cetera, or various different content that we've created, our compensation guide, our diversity hiring guide, we're now putting together content on, you know, the great rehiring that's happening. And we're going to be collecting data from all of our customers and, and people out there to talk about what, you know, what that's looking like, how things have changed since 2020. Every quarter, we're going to put out reports that if our team shares them, we have these things called bets bucks that people get to, that they can use to buy, you know, anything they want, um, whether it's a vacation or some type of technology or, you know, dinner out with them. Um, and with friends, uh, they can do that, uh, which is just an additional incentive, incentive to promote the you know, behavior that we would like them to have, which is really building their own brand on LinkedIn, along with the Betts brand as well. Thank you for tuning into this episode. I wanted to take a moment to introduce my sponsor, Hoxo Media are the world's leading content marketing agency for the recruitment industry. They're currently working with over 250 recruitment agencies that includes 3,000 recruitment consultants across the world. They help them build LinkedIn brands that open up more opportunities by following a proven methodology daily. In 2021, the hugely successful Huxo Academy is changing. They have launched an eight-week personal brand program, which you can roll out across your whole business. The Academy is aimed at helping traditional recruiters that rely on outbound calls to attract candidates and clients. Those who often lack the knowledge of how to use LinkedIn for anything other than posting jobs and in-mails. They struggle with both the ideas and the confidence when it comes to producing relevant content. Post-COVID-19, we all know that the world is truly digital. The modern recruiter needs to have a unique and consistent LinkedIn presence that offers value to their community and drives opportunities inbound. The Huxo Academy helps every recruiter in your agency achieve this in eight weeks, enrolling a new cohort of training at the start of each calendar month. For the first 50 customers of 2021, they are offering you the chance to enroll unlimited users onto the program for 12 months at no extra cost. So you have 50 or 500 consultants now, or you plan to hire more throughout the year, you can rest assured that they will get all the training they need to build a brand that wins business on LinkedIn. Please click the link attached to this episode or DM me on LinkedIn to find out how your agency can join the program. If you've been in this academy, please add in some information about your experience. We'd love to hear from you. 
and why you chose to partner with us as you truly believe in the impact it can have in the way that modern recruiters work. Well, I was, I was going to ask too, like, how do you, I mean, like when we look at like recruiting playing out over the next, you know, whatever, five to 10 years, do you think that people who invest in their brands compared to people who don't, I mean, do you, do you see that being, you know, a massive game changer in the future in terms of like how people recruit in the, in the future and like how much, how much of a part do you think having a brand would play compared to, you know, the rest of the outbound activity? Like, do you see that? growing more and more. I mean, what what are your thoughts on that? I think so, right? So I'll give a personal example. Our company was very, was hit very hard by COVID last year. In March, 90% of our clients put their searches on hold within a week of shelter in place. And uh, our revenue was the best it had ever been the, you know, over 10 years uh, in February of 2020. The revenue also reflected that and went down 90% in April. March was still okay. And then it started going up a little bit from there. However, now we're looking at 2021 and Q4 of 2020, Q1 now, we are the busiest we've ever been. I have never seen anything like this. I've been in this industry for 17 years and I've never seen more demand for hiring in this market for go to market. And, um, you know, the candidate situation is a little bit less, um, less volume there, you know, so now, and, and the pendulum is completely swung in a matter of months between it being a, you know, the candidates did not have a lot of opportunities to now the the employers having. And, and I think that because we have such a strong brand and people have known who we are for so long that our business came back very, very quickly because it were the go-to people. You're hiring salespeople, call bets. The amount of referrals, the venture capitalists, all the things that have been coming our way, I attribute to our brand and to the work that we've done over time, the relationships and uh, the consistency that we've had over time. So I'm, I'm curious too, are you then, are you, do you still have like uh, outbound KPIs? Is that something that you focus on or are you more results-based? Like how do, how do you manage are, that? And are you talking about on the candidate side or on the client side? I, I would say, um, with with either like just kind of daily activity like how do you how do you monitor daily activity and obviously with like the shift that we've had to remote work you know that makes it more challenging so how how do you how do you i guess monitor that or how how do you kind of keep that activity high does that does that make sense it does and it's interesting because it's very different right now on both sides of the business so right now we used to have outbound kpis for our sales team which was the team that brought on new business right now with the leads that we have coming in they're really you know responding to those people and taking the referrals and everything and, and making sure that we set the relationship up for success with any client that we onboard at this time. Now this shifts, right? As I mentioned, the pendulum, this is not going to be like that forever and ever. This is just the current state. And so we are trying to make sure that every single customer that comes to us that's interested is, is getting you know, it's much easier if somebody reaches out and says, say we're hiring 180 salespeople this year to respond to that, bring them on as a client than it is to be. And, and we're a little bit impacted right now. There's a waiting list to use bets and we're prioritizing certain companies. Um, and I can get into that if that's interesting of, you know, what we're prioritizing in terms of clients that we'll bring on right now. Uh, and then on the candidate side, it is, Yes, very much outbound. I, you know, I don't know the KPIs that we are tracking right now. We track uh, LinkedIn, we track email, we track text messages and phone calls. And, you know, there's a way that, you know, we go through our own proprietary system, Bets Connect, which is a platform, a SaaS platform where companies can buy licenses and log in and Betzers can use the platform to find candidates for our clients. We operate everything on there, um, but then they also use LinkedIn. They ask for referrals and can do whatever they can to get the right candidates for our clients that are hiring. I love that. Well, I love, I love how you've embra embraced technology. I mean, I know, 
you know, there's, there's a lot, there's lots of owners that I talk to and companies I talk to that um, it's just, it's all still monitored by how many phone calls are you making? What's the phone time? Um, you know, which, which I think long-term, I mean, it's hard to attract the best people when, when that's a, when that's the mentality, because there's so much more. And obviously there's so many more tools um, th that we have available to us. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to, to hear too. Like, I know you mentioned you have, you know, this wait, waiting list. I'd, I'd love to hear how, how you're prioritizing that and how you're managing that. Um, and do you, do you think that a lot of that's to do with the fact that, you know, so many companies hit that downturn last year and they let a ton of recruiters go. So now there's just less, almost less competition out there, or is it just purely to do with the fact that the industries that you're in are just growing like crazy? So I think that a lot of companies, you know, from what we saw, right? I mean, that 90% decrease in business in March that led to, you know, really, you know, rough April, um, most companies, you know, COVID hit and everyone paused hiring, right? Time out. The first thing we're going to do is just let's not hire anyone while we figure out what's happening. Yeah. And, and then, you know, Q3, people started feeling more confidence in hiring Q4, et cetera. But now at the beginning of the year, especially in go-to-market, which we do, companies have their 2021 plans with their you know budget of what they need to hit revenue-wise and what they need to hit hiring-wise. And because they put things on pause for months on end in 2020, now they're making up for lost time. And everyone's doing it at the same time so yeah right and and you know it's it's really interesting and and, and then in terms of our our wait list so companies that um so traditionally we have you know we have a few different business models are you know so the SaaS model you know if you want to get on our SaaS model there's not a waiting list you can um you know we'll put you through a demo you sign the contract it's an annual subscription um and you can you log in on your own you find the candidates you can hire as many as you want so there's not a waiting list for that um and then we had mostly very much a contingent model where companies would pay an engagement deposit and some companies you know aren't willing or able to pay these engagement deposits so the companies that are saying yep this is top priority we will pay the engagement deposit they move to the top of the waiting list because what we've realized with our data is that for companies that do pay a little bit up front and it's not like crazy like some of the retained firms that are out there where you have to pay you know 50k or something up front you know it's 10 to 25k depending on what the searches are uh, those companies will move to the top of the list because 95 percent of the companies that pay engagement deposits are searches that we fill where if they're contingency it's more around 65 percent and so you know we we know that we are more successful and while we're very successful with the contingency um we also look at factors like um the the hiring you know the process in which they run so are we working directly with a hiring manager if we're working with internal recruiters you know is there a process that we can easily be successful you know we've been doing this for a long time and we can sense uh, if the company is not based in the united states and they're scaling over here okay what kind of support do they have what kind of do you know is there a venture capitalist here in the united states that they're working with that has experience doing that is their compensation in line with what we're seeing with other companies? Um, is our is their culture one that we believe that we want to partner with, right? Because while the clients pay us and we have zero, um, you know, there are some companies that are popping up in our industry that put people through training and charge candidates, et cetera. For us, we don't charge anybody on the talent side. It's just the companies pay to help, you know, for us to help them find the right people on their teams. And so we evaluate, you know, if there's things that we think will be um, not great for the talent that we're representing. You know, right now, most people want, you know, remote hybrid. If they're in a place, you know, they might be craving to go back to an office, but most people don't want to go to an office every day. So if you're looking right now for people that want to show up every single day in an office, um, it's going to be more challenging for us to be successful finding 
people <laughs> that want to do that. And, you know, especially with the demand that we have right now, we can let them know, hey, have you thought about hybrid? This is what we're seeing and really having a consultative approach. And if it's, you know, kind of my way or the highway, we'll just say, you know, either put them on the waiting list or um, refer them out to another company that could maybe better help be, be suited to partner with them. So if I'm hearing you right too, so do, do you have, you got the sales team and then you got an engagement team? Like do you have, or is anybody full desk or like, no? No. So how it works is so we have our sales team and so yeah. we have BDRs. So they, uh, they take the inbound leads and, um, they also did outbound a lot um, when things were a little bit um, quieter and they did such cute things too. They uh, would do videos of themselves and pointing onto the computer of like, Hey, you know, I'm, you know, Carolyn with bets and I'm noticing that you're hiring all these things on your website and really personalizing the videos. Um, and then the, the, then the, the sales sales team gets the contracts in place and gets everything set up. And then, and this is on our services side of the business. And then the recruiters take over the clients post contract and they also manage those relationships. So it's, you know, it, it's not full desk, like bring on the client, sign it, manage it, recruit, but it's more full desk because they're managing client relationships and recruiting than models that we've had in the past. And so for us, when a new person starts at BETS, they'll, they'll go through training. They'll start as a recruiter only is what we call it. And then once we think they're ready and they've kind of you know, seen some success on the recruiter only role, then we'll give them clients. And, and that's usually, you know, kind of short lived at their recruiter only, depending on their experience and how quickly they're seeing success and, you know, getting up to speed on the recruiting thing. Cause we don't like to be a company that just piles things on people. We like to, you know, kind of crawl, walk, run to make sure that people are really, like I said, set up for success. And then on the tech side, we have our CSM team. So those people manage those clients that are leveraging the platform, make sure that those companies are really using the tech well. And then we also have people that do what we call surge recruiting. And so there's a subscription-based service that we offer where you have additional support sourcing candidates that we'll put onto the platform, tee them up. Uh, we also integrate with Greenhouse and Lever and so those people will help get candidates scheduled, get them into the process. And then those teams after the candidates are, you know, past the you know, getting the first round interview schedule, take the candidates from there. And so it's really just a top of funnel service that we offer. And that's a separate team from our sales uh, recruit and recruitment teams. So that's kind of more like a like an RPO style kind of oh, get, yeah. adding on to the recruitment team. I, I love that. So why? Where, where did you kind of come up with 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 these types of models? Like, uh, did you always kind of envision that, or, I mean, how how did you kind of grow into that? Because to me, like you just you're describing kind of a, you know a re really a different approach to what I hear a lot. You know, obviously I hear most of the time it's just full desk recruiting, and and that's that's what's offered. Maybe some retained in there as well. So how did you come up with this this kind of business model? Um, where, where where did you get that from? Well, one of the, you know, our first and leading value at Bets is people first. And I've realized that it's on us to set our teams up for success. And as the CEO of Bets, it's when we bring on clients, it is important for our team to be set up for success, to make them successful engagements and to deliver. And what I found is, is that, you know, and as I mentioned, the process of going from recruiter only to taking on accounts, right? But if you are responsible for bringing on business and then managing the accounts and recruiting, it's very difficult to be successful in all of those all the time. And also as an organization that continues to grow, we really want people to be focused and, and on you know getting the agreement signed having fresh new clients coming on on a regular basis making sure that process is dialed and really allowing the recruitment team to focus on what they're they're best at which is you know taking that client relationship and helping find the talent and i think it's hard to set people up for success when they have to do everything 
And you know, I, I, I think there are a lot of companies out there that have seen a lot of success. But for us, it makes the most sense to have uh, people really be focused and um, empowered to be successful doing what they love the most. I love that. And and I think, you know, if that it, obviously there's, there's people out here too. And I just want to go to some of, some of the comments as well. I know uh, usually I, I go to the comments early, but we had Kevin early on just said, what's up from Seattle? Kevin is, is a great I guy. And yeah, Kevin, <laughs> Kevin is a, is a really, uh, really great guy. And uh, you got Daniel here. He says, hello from Maryland. Uh, Valerie just said, awesome example of a company encouraging employees to build their personal brand. And uh, I'm a huge fan of that as well. Uh, Paula just said, love this. Just loving the conversation. Michelle said, uh, I love this idea of an engagement deposit to move up to the top of the list. I, I agree. I think um, it's an awesome way. And Sultan just said, so glad to hear that business is booming. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm curious too, like, uh, you know, we talked about this a little bit as well. You've got the podcast uh, and, and, you know, I know a little bit of background on the podcast, but I'd love to hear how, you know, what kind of your vision behind, behind the podcast, like why you started it and how you're using that as well, just in terms of overall brand awareness and, and, uh, you know, how you're using that strategically within the business. Uh, I'd love to hear a little bit about the, the, the podcast as well. Absolutely. So initially it started when things were slow <laughs> and we were trying to figure out, you know, different, you know, obviously podcasts are around and, and people use them for different things, but more and more people, especially with COVID, you know, want content to consume and they want to hear interesting conversations with people. And it's also, you know, flattering to be asked. So thank you for having me. I was very flattered when you asked me to be on this podcast. Um, but it's, a, you know, it's a, even if people don't want to be on somebody's podcast, it's still nice to be asked. And so we made the decision to give it a try, right? You know, to, <laughs> let's do, we were kind of willing to do anything at that time to figure out how we were going to get our business back. And so, we went for it. And the ethos of what I was trying to create was conversations with leaders that are very successful in our field, talking about the ups and downs of what they've been through. And you know, I think for, for a lot of people, especially younger people out there, this COVID thing just really threw people for a loop. And most people had really been on the way up in their career and really hadn't had a lot of setbacks. And what I wanted to shine light on was, hey, like, you don't get to be, you know, the, the, at these, you know, starting these really cool companies or being a CRO of this organization without a few, a few blips on the radar along the way. And so that was the ethos behind it. But then, you know, I just really started reaching out to people in my network, people that I have a lot of respect for and having real conversations about how they built their careers, how they built their companies, how they think about building culture and teams. And it's been great. I mean, we have, you know, thousands upon it. We're not, I'm not Joe Rogan yet, but- um, <laughs> Not um, yet, give it, give it six <laughs> months. But, you know, although that was uh, aspirational, when I saw him last night, I was like, okay, I'm going to listen so to more cool. of his pod. And, um, but yeah, you know, a lot of people have really found the conversations to be interesting. It's definitely taken uh, an interesting path where, um, where, you know, I'm, I'm, there's all different kinds of people that we're talking to and people are really willing to open up. And I learn a lot from these conversations. And, um, so that's fun for me too. And I like take notes during some of them <laughs> because I like, oh, great, great idea. I'll bring that back to bets. And I think that uh, it's really fun. And a lot of people that are listening to it are getting a lot out of it. No, I love that. And I, I think I heard your podcast on uh, Scott Lisa's, uh, is it Surf and Sales? Um, yeah. And I know, I know uh, Jake Dunlap connected us up as well. And Jake, he does a ton of stuff on LinkedIn. So it's cool that you, as a recruitment leader have, have seen that. And I think we talked about it where, especially with the podcast, a lot of people get hung up on the downloads or they get hung up on, um, you know, a lot, a lot of things, which, which at the end of the day, you know, unless you're passionate about the people that you're reaching out to, you're passionate about the conversations you're wanting to learn. It's super hard to continue the podcast because it's, you know, it's work and, and you've got to, you've got to put that work into it. Um, but I think if, if your vision is to, 
like you said, equip and impact, you know, people and particularly young people. I love that, that mission uh, as well. Are, are you on, are you on clubhouse at all? Is that, is that something that you've, you've thought about? What's, what's your thoughts on that? And do you think it could be an interesting way to recruit people? Like what are, what are your thoughts with that? That's like the hot, the hot topic, right? Right now. You know what? It, it's, I'm not on it. I've gotten a lot of invites and I just, I, you know, for me, for me, I'm going to be completely honest. I work a lot. I do yeah. a lot of things. Um, yeah. I, I find as, you know, CEO of a company that the expectation of excellence and leading from the front of an organization is massive. And so I like to find things that I really enjoy doing where I, um, and for me, like work-life balance is really important. And so I've been, you know, doing a lot of yoga, doing a lot of hiking, um, you know, doing other people's podcasts, running my podcast, working on Betz's culture internally, as well as externally. Um, I host, a, you know, Actually, this is probably not that popular in the world right now with COVID, but um, I'm hosting an in-person networking event that's very safe this week for a, a nonprofit I'm on the board of to educate people here in Austin about what we're doing with um, creating social equity through entrepreneurship for under-resourced kids in high school, students in high school, helping them start their own companies. And so, you know, I feel like I already do so much and this yep. is like, this is the real deal that I just don't want another thing right now. I'm good. I am good. Not doing clubhouse. I might regret it later. And I feel like I can always sign up then, but it just, yeah. So what are you, are you doing clubhouse? Like, what do you think? I've, I've committed maybe three to four hours a week at this point. I was on there a lot when it first, when I first got yeah. on there, cause that was an allure to it. You know, it's like, you see people like, um, you know, Damon John or like Grant Cardone, you see, you see these people and you're, you can end up in the same room as them, or you can end up on stage and with the ability to communicate. And I think that has, it, it's definitely an allure to it. Right. And you can get into like private conversations that, you know, if Elon, Elon Musk goes on there or Mark Zuckerberg, like I was in a room with him the other day and just got in, you know, early because I heard it was going on and you hear these conversations with people that you wouldn't get to hear and then it's live too so then you definitely feel like oh if i don't hear this i'm never going to be able to hear it because it's not recorded um but i think what's interesting to me is every leader that i talk to who's in your situation where it's like you know you're obviously you're running a company you know and you're all of those things that you mentioned take time and that should be where your focus is and so anytime i talk to someone who, who's leading it's like Clubhouse is a huge commitment because it's it's live and it's like you're putting in your time in the moment. Um, and so I think, you know, realistically, I mean, half an hour a week would probably be the, the time commitment. But in order to be on Clubhouse, it takes so much time. It's not like LinkedIn where you can plan your post on the weekend and leave it to automatically post. And, you know, it's 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 a lot more of a time investment. So I think it, it's one of those things where, from an application standpoint in recruiting, I think it could be extremely powerful. I think there's really cool things companies could be doing in terms of, you know, maybe getting their brand out there more or hosting like you know, even on the spot interviews, like maybe having a hiring manager share for half an hour why, what the role is and what the position is. I think there's some cool stuff that could happen from it. Um, but, you know, it's like anything it's, it's, you've got to be, you got to be careful with like the time that you put into it. And I think a lot of people right now, they don't have a following on another platform. They're going, Oh, this is a gold mine. Cause I can pick up, you know, a thousand followers in, in a week, but it's followers don't really matter. You know, it's always going to come down to what's the quality of that real conversation and the real connection in the real world. So yeah, I don't know. I think it will play out. Yeah. You know, and the fact that it's not recorded, I think, you know, yes, that's good for, you know, if you say something you don't want to say or whatever it is, uh, that it's not like out there forever. But if I'm going to ask a hiring manager to do something for us, one of our clients to go have a conversation, you know, I'm going to want that to be recorded and to be reused for people in the future because people's time is very valuable and you can only get so much of it before people kind of are like, okay, like, 
what else are you going to ask me to do? So anyway, you know, not to, yeah. No, Maybe that's it. Say, but I'm definitely prioritizing my time in other ways than, um, than clubhouse. I, <laughs> so that's what I'm doing, but, um, I, I know a lot of people are really enjoying it as well. Yeah, there's there's a couple people who I mean, one someone I've actually gotten the the live show here maybe in uh, five to six weeks. He's been doing um, like on the spot like tech interview rooms, and I might get four hundred, four or five hundred people, and he's got recruiters from um, you know Facebook, Uber, like all the tech companies, and it is pretty cool. Like I have to say, like the the application of seeing that is is pretty cool. Um, but again, it's like a lot of the owners that I, I reach out to and, and I have conversations with, you know, it's like running a business. It's hard. It's super hard to find, find the time for it. And I think at any point, realistically, if you, if you go on there, if the application is around for a long time, there's always time for those things in the future. So, um, I, I, I love it, but I just wanted to get your take, see what your thoughts were on, on it. Um, well, hey, I, I know we're, I find it hard to find things to write on LinkedIn. Like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. like no, I hey, a lot of people struggle with that as well. I which is you which, see these people out there, and everyone's so lovely, right? But I'm just like, I'm not the kind of person that just wants like write stuff to write stuff, and it's hard to come up with things that I think are relevant and worth people's time to be reading. And if I'm going to put something out there, I want it to be you know, interesting, meaningful, or important to me. Like I, I posted on LinkedIn last week or on St. Patty's day. Like we used to have this badass party every year at our office in San Francisco. And it was tangential to this block party that would happen. And we'd invite, you know, our whole network in San Francisco. And it was super cool. There were live, it was live music below and we get hundreds and hundreds of people showing up and I'm like, Oh, it's, you know, same happy St. Patty's day. You know, I still remember when we used to have those parties. Now, is that really changing people's lives or anything? No, but it was like, wow. Like, it's so interesting to think that last year at this time or beforehand, we were like, should we cancel St. Patty's? Should we keep it on? What's happening? And now it's like, <laughs> it was like well, we don't even have that office anymore. You know, it, it it's kind of crazy. So, um, yeah, whatever, just a little anecdote. And I imagine a lot of people that are on this podcast listening feel the same way, right? Like, you know, the, what what do I say or how do I say it? And wanting to have their brand be genuine to who they are and also, you know, consistent enough where people, they get a following, but not one that's just like fabricated where you just like, at least that's how I feel. So anyway, back to you. No, I know I'm, I'm, I'm 100% with you and I think, you know, part part of the challenge, I think, in recruitment in general, um, yeah, it's really across all, all businesses. Like everybody just struggle with like, what should I post? And LinkedIn's an interesting platform anyway because it's it's kind of becoming a little bit more Facebook like, and there's more personal posts out there. But it's like, how personal do I get? What should I post? What are my clients going to think? So I think there's a ton of people who are who are who are feeling that same way. Um, well, I'd, I'd love to, um, I'd love to kind of direct people to where they can find you or the best place to, to find you. I know you've got, you've got the podcast and we can put links to the podcast in, uh, you know, in the comments as well. So people can find you. What's the easiest place? Like if somebody, because look, after listening to this, if you don't want to work at bets, I don't know what you're thinking. Cause like, I, I, you know, great, great company. You've got a great setup. You're growing. There's a reason you're growing. You're providing great service to clients. But, but to me, like the biggest thing that I heard was, I love the fact that you said, you know, you don't want to just kind of bombard your, your team with like more, 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 more. You want to allow them to be excellent with what they have and allow them to grow naturally, which I think is it's, it's refreshing to hear within the industry. So just huge shout out to you. But if somebody wants to be a part of the bets team, like what's the best way to go about that? How do you recommend people get a hold of you or your team? Like what's the best way to do that? You know, my email a, a cold in mail. Is that the best way? With yes. just a resume? <laughs> yes, I'm looking. Uh, hire me. Uh, no, email me, uh, Carolyn at betsrecruiting.com. And yeah. um, you know, I think there's a lot of recruitment agency owners on here and uh, aspiring ones. Um, my assistant checks my emails, so she'll screen shoot them to me and then we'll introduce you to our internal recruiter, Kelly, who would then put you through the process. But I do think that, you know, taking the initiative to reach out to me directly, why you're interested in working for bets, why, um, 
you know, what your experience is, I think is always really nice to start at the top, just like we ask people to do when they're doing sales. And um, yeah, so feel free also to link in with me on LinkedIn. I did a little cleaning house on some of my um, LinkedIn, so I have room to bring in new people. And so, uh, you know, some people that I had connected with early on that might not be relevant for our space. We got rid of some of those connections. And um, yeah, I, uh, another thing, you know, for people that are aspiring agency owners, um, one of the things that is really important to me for people that do come to BETS is ongoing mentorship throughout their career. And I've helped people, you know, there's a woman right now in particular that just started her own company. It's not a recruiting company, but it's another company and I'm mentoring her and helping her fundraise and do a bunch of things. So um, and if you are interested in learning about what it's like to build a company, you want to come work at Bets for a few years and then eventually start your own thing. Um, that's absolutely something that I, <laughs> I love that. Uh, and I'm open to, right? I mean, we, I did it. You, you know, a lot of people have done it. So uh, sometimes people don't know when to get started or how or what they want to do. And um, so, yeah, that's it. And uh, did I answer? That's huge. I just, I, I just wanted to highlight too, like one of the big things that one of the big objections I get with what I do, because I'm teaching companies on how to, you know, at a desk level, help recruiters build their own brand. One of the biggest objections I get or the biggest things that I hear is, well, what happens if they build the brand so big that they, it becomes bigger than the company and they move, they, they want to start their own thing. And every time I think about that, I just think, isn't that at some point, like what you did, like why you wanted to start your own company? Because certain people, they want to, you know, certain people are entrepreneurial and you can't really get in the way of that. And you definitely don't want to hamper something like that. So just with what you said, like, I love that mentality. And I think that that, that to me is why your business is is growing. It's why you guys are successful is because from leadership level, you're not looking to hold people back. They want to start their own thing, even encouraging a mentorship. I just, I can't express how, how refreshing it is to, to hear that. So I really appreciate that. And everyone who's out there, we appreciate you. Uh, I see Elaine, great to see you. Liza, great to see you as well. So welcome to everybody. And, and we really appreciate all of you guys out there. Uh, if you're checking this out afterward as well, um, Find it, go back to the, the LinkedIn post and we're, we're going to have links to Carolyn's podcast. We'll have her email address on there as well. So definitely reach out and be patient because she's got a lot of followers and uh, obviously just a, a super successful business that she's running as well. So be patient in, in her getting back and her assistant getting back. Um, but really appreciate everything as well, Carolyn. It's been great chatting, getting to know you. And I know uh, so many people speak super highly of you as well, and and just an honor to have you here for the last fifty minutes. So, uh, just thanks for for stopping by, and looking forward to seeing more of of what you guys are doing as well, and and how you grow in the future. So, thanks again. Awesome! Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. And first live stream, I won. I got I got you on the first live stream, which is awesome. <laughs> it was it. it was easy. It was. It's it's always easy. Well, I'm going to end this broadcast.